0: All right, good morning, how are we doing? <laughs> Some people excited, that's good, good to see y'all. Um, my name is Isaac and I'm the discipleship pastor here at The Experience, it's good to be with y'all. Um, so I oversee things like following Jesus and authentic discipleship and a couple of other things and a shameless plug, if you have not been through following Jesus, one's coming up, you should sign up for it and uh, you can do that on the app and, uh, and website. I'd love to see you there on, on July 20th if you've not been a part of it. So if you are new here, I want to welcome you, or maybe you haven't been here in in a long time, and maybe you've forgotten kind of what we do. And uh, at The Experience, we go through whole books of the Bible, and we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we've been in the book of Romans for several months now. And uh, and last week, Pastor Corey went through chapter 15, the first part, and we'll be in the second part of chapter 15 today, verses 14 through 33. That's that's where we're going to be at. Before we jump into that and we start to break it down kind of verse by verse and, and look at the different sections of the second part of chapter 15, I, I wanna ask you this morning, I'm, I'm curious, have you, ever, have you ever talked to someone or been around someone who seemed to have a direction or focus of, of what they want to do in life, where they want to go, maybe what they want to be? Have you ever talked to someone like that? Maybe been around someone? I don't often, I guess, find adults who are like that, but, but those who I'm around who seem to have direction Our kids, like young kids, you know, what what, what do we usually ask kids, right? What do you wanna be when you grow up, right? What do you wanna be when you grow up? So, so, you know, I ask my kids, I have a five-year-old son and um, a seven-year-old daughter. I've asked them this before and uh, even recently, you know, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And my son who's five, he knows, he has the direction of where he wants to go. I wanna be a race car driver, he says, you know, right? I wanna be a race car. He doesn't know all the logistics of getting there and being a race car driver, but he knows, immediate response, I wanna be a race car driver. My daughter, who's seven, Naomi, right? Ask her what she wants to be when she grows up and she kind of has that immediate response and she knows she wants to be a veterinarian. Loves pets, loves animals and doesn't know all the details of that, but she, she knows, right? If you've ever seen that or talked to kids, maybe you've talked to a kid like Sam who writes this letter to God. He says, I want to be just like my daddy when I get big, but not with so much hair all over. <laughs> <laughs> and all dads everywhere said amen, and we don't take our shirts off for the whole summer. It feels very personal here. But kids seem to know, right? They seem to know which direction they wanna go and what they don't wanna do. They seem to have that sense of clarity at a young age. And the big idea and what Paul talks about several times in our passage today, he says, my purpose, my aim, my direction is this. And our big idea will be that very question. Do we know our purpose in life? Do we know our aim? And are we fulfilling it? Are we living into that? Last week, again, I mentioned Pastor Corey was in the first part of chapter 15. And the big idea was this, where are our hearts? Do we know where our hearts are at? And do we actually care about the hearts of others around us? If you weren't here last week, I highly encourage you to go back and to listen to the first part of Romans 15. It was very, very powerful and it's a great, powerful, big idea. But today, this is our focus. Are we fulfilling our purpose? Do we know our purpose? And do we know our direction? Before we jump into it and start to break it down, when you came in today, you should have gotten a notes handout that was given to you. If you didn't get one, that's okay. We have an app, a wonderful app, the Experience Community app. As soon as you download that, it should say home. Sermon notes, you can click on that and follow along. Everything I'm gonna talk about is gonna be on the screens as well. The reason why we do that is so you can take in, analyze, and to really be changed by God's word as we interpret it together, all right? I'm gonna pray and we'll jump into Romans chapter 15, verses 14 through 33. Will you pray with me? God, I'm so grateful that you do give us purpose and direction, God. I pray through your word as we read Paul's letter that as it transformed that community 2,000 years ago, it continues to transform us and form us as Christians. God, we do continue to pray as Pastor Kyle prayed for for the different churches and communities in, in Middle Tennessee and across our nation and around the world who are doing the work in your name to make disciples. God, bless them and help them and encourage them as you bless and help and encourage us. God, we pray for our great nonprofits like FCA and the other nonprofits we support in our communities, God. Help them, God. Help them as they try to build for your kingdom and make a practical impact and a difference, God. Bless them, we pray, in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you join me in reading verses 14 through 16, chapter 15? Again, this is a letter Paul is writing to this church in Rome some 2,000 years ago. He says, My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles serving as a priest of the gospel of God. And here it is, listen to what Paul says. My purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. My purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering. So as Paul starts to wrap up this letter, he's writing this letter to his church in Rome as he begins to wrap it up. When we get to the end, he's encouraging them, tells them they're full of goodness, right? You guys are so full of goodness, you guys have knowledge, you're able to instruct each other. You see, Paul knew his purpose. He knew it was to go to the Gentiles to help them be sanctified, which means that they were made holy and pure in the image of Jesus. They're living into that purpose. Right? He knew that was his particular purpose to bring it to all the non-Jewish world. And if you read in the book of Acts and you read in the New Testament, Paul's written letters to communities in Corinth and Ephesus, he's gone all around the Mediterranean. And even though he's been at these different churches, he doesn't get kind of sucked into these churches and try to lead them and and be super involved in them because he knows his grander purpose, what God has called him to. And so what he knows the importance of is encouraging, equipping, and empowering others to lead. You see, this is very, very important, especially when it comes to what God is calling us to and what we need to do in particular. And so here's how we know that St. Paul that the Apostle Paul is empowering others in this Christian community. He's empowering them and reminding them what their focus should be, right? He says, I'm boldly reminding you what you should focus on, boldly reminding you. And as you read the book of Romans, it's some of the majors of our faith. It's about the gospel, and he's reminding them of these things. And it should remind us as we read God's word, as a body of Jesus followers, as a church, as Christians, we cannot get distracted from our main mission. Because you'll see as we go along here, our mission and our purpose in life, the mission of God and our purpose become closely aligned. But this is the mission of God. It is the gospel of Jesus to make disciples and to transform this earth for God's kingdom as it is in heaven. And what is God's kingdom all about? It's about purity of heart and mind, that nothing is entangling us. It's about hope and it's about true authentic love and care for one another. That is our mission, and Paul knew that. Paul knew the grand mission, and his personal mission, his purpose, as we'll see, it comes closely aligned when we know the mission of God, right? He writes this. He says in verse 16, my purpose is that the Gentiles may be an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. What a nice, simple, short, and sweet, succinct mission statement, right? Anybody who's a part of a business or an organization Have mission statements. Our church has a mission statement. You know the experience has a mission statement to make authentic disciples of Jesus. That's our mission. That's it. And Paul had his life purpose and his focus, and he's it's very succinct. My purpose is this: to reach the entire Gentile world that they may be made whole and pure by the Spirit. And since Paul knew his purpose, right? He knew his focus. Everything he did centered around it. Again, you read the book of Acts for some backstory. You read. The, the, the different letters that he wrote. And this comes up again and again. He's called to the Gentiles, the entire non-Jewish world. He knew it. And so he was determined to live into that purpose, to that pinnacle and that aim in his life. And here's the question we'll ask again and again this morning. You may get tired of it by the end. Hopefully we get it. Paul knew his purpose in Jesus. He knew it. Do we know our purpose in Jesus, the King of the universe. Do we know it? Are we so confident that everything we do in life centers around it, our job, our life, our finances? Do we know what it means to live into our purpose? What is is our pinnacle in life? What, what, What would be at the top of our list if we were to say, this is what I am all about in life? What is it? You see, whatever is at the top of our list, Whatever is the very pinnacle of our life, we begin to center our life and make plans based on whatever that is. Three and a half years ago, my life had a very hard stop. It was, it was actually a really, really dark and broken place for me three and a half years ago. I was an Army chaplain, uh, active duty Army chaplain, and my life hit a very, very hard stop because of some decisions I had made, some very, very poor decisions. I won't go into details of my story. If if you're at the Men's Summit in in 2019, I shared more of that. I'm happy to share it with anyone one-on-one, but I'm going to make it more about God's Word here. But my life hit a hard stop, and I was in a very, very broken place. And I had a choice. I could either submit and and, and start this road of recovery and renewal, or I could— go in the other direction. I did the former, not the latter, thanks be to God. But, but I started going counseling once a week and my wife and I started going counseling once a week and I just started this process. I was very, very fortunate at that time in my life, three and a half years ago, where some army chaplains that were superior to me kind of came around me and loved on me. They were believers in Christ and one even encouraged me, he said, listen, I, this is not the end for you. This is not the end for you. And one of those chaplains at that time in my life made me read this book. It was, I think he had ulterior motives but he was like, I want you to do this briefing for soldiers. And the book that he gave me was Grit. It was research on how grit happens in life and how people endure things. And he made me come up with a briefing to give the soldiers, but I knew his dual purpose was, it was for me, right? I was going through this period and he wanted me to sit down and read this book, Grit by Angela Duckworth. And it was interesting, as I read that book, I came across this chart, this simple chart in that book. And what it talks about is our pinnacle in life and how whatever it is that we're driven to, whatever our purpose is, whatever our aim is, we begin to start to build our goals based on whatever that is. And it hit me at that point in my life that my whole life was centered around being an army chaplain. That was my pinnacle. That's all I wanted to do. All that I did, my my schooling, my decisions for my career in ministry were all for this pinnacle. I I don't know what I was gonna do after that. I just... I was going to do 20 years, retire, I don't know, set off into the sunset. I had no other plans. Like this was it. Maybe I would get lucky enough to retire as a lieutenant colonel or a colonel, but that, that was my pinnacle. And then when my life hit a hard stop and things crumbled and I was forced into this place of recovery and renewal, I had to, I had to rethink some things. So I was reading this and along in reading in scripture, particularly Luke 10, it hit me. i I, I need a better pinnacle in life. I need something better. And it came to be settled on that I would love God by loving every person every day back to Him, that's my pinnacle. To love God by loving every person every day back to Him. What is our pinnacle in life? What is our aim and what is our direction? What do we build our life on and set our goals for? What are we all about? Let's continue in our passage here and see what Paul says. Paul says, therefore, after he says, this is my purpose, He says, therefore, because of this, I have a reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to who? To God. For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me by word and deed for the obedience of the Gentiles, by the power of miraculous signs and wonders, and by the power of God's Spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. And listen to what Paul says here in verse 20. My aim, my pinnacle is to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named so that I will not build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who are not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. Those who have not heard will understand. Now there are all sorts of things in this world that people can focus their lives, lives on, isn't there? There's all sorts of things that we can focus our lives on that can be sort of the pinnacle, the aim of our lives. For some, perhaps it's, it's wealth. If I could just make more money and if I could just get more money and, and, and set more aside, it's just it's wealth. Perhaps the pinnacle is education. If I just get the, the PhD or, or a certain degree or more degrees, whatever it may be, it's, it's the pinnacle of achievement for them. Perhaps it's retirement. I always wonder, like, what happens after retirement? Do we just fall off a cliff? Like, what happens? Like, everyone's just trying to get to retirement. Is that the the end? Retirement? For some, the pinnacle is comforts. Just all about my comforts. If I could just get my life comfortable and I could get comfortable and everything could be at ease, that's it. For some, it's fitness, right? To have a great body and to look good. It's not my pinnacle, by the way, if you can't tell. <laughs> not there. For some, it's, it's family, right? It's, that's my pinnacle. If I could just have a great family, a good family. Listen to what Paul is saying, right? He says, I have reason to boast in Jesus. Listen, we will never have reason to boast. We will never be fulfilled in our lives if our lives are not oriented to the things of God. He says, I have reason to boast in Jesus and the things that pertain to God. This is him. This is him leading me into my life. Purpose. What do we frequently boast in? What do we think about the most? What do we care about the most? What are we boasting in in our heart and our mind and to the world around us? What is it? You see, Paul's purpose was to bring about the obedience of faith to the Gentiles, that they may be sanctified by, by the Spirit. And that was only realized through Jesus' powerful work in and through Paul. Again, if you read the book of Acts for some backstory of Paul, you can read that Paul was, was a religious zealot. He, was, he, he believed his pinnacle was to do the work of God and how he did that was murdering Christians. It says he breathed out murderous threats, but then he encountered the real Jesus, the true Jesus, and it wrecked him and he submitted his life. I mean, he had a choice. He could have been like, you know what? No, but, but he encountered Jesus and he submitted to Jesus. And he worked in and through him to fulfill his purpose, to go and to preach the gospel. Listen, when we submit to God and we allow God to work in and through us, we begin to be truly human. We begin to truly fulfill our purpose. And here's how we know that we're on the right track in life, that we're fulfilling God's purpose. As he gets the glory for what's happening, my job, my finances, if my family is doing well, it's God and to him be the glory. God, to him be the glory for, for the things that I have and for what's happening in my life. Thanks be to God and may I use it for your glory. God gets the glory for what happens when we're fulfilling and living into our true purpose. When I was in high school, I had a pastor that I was close with and whenever he would like preach or lead something, someone would come up to him, and this happened pretty frequently, and say, hey, good job, good job. And he'd always say, well, who paid you to say that? Like, who paid you to say that, you know? And I thought, that's a pretty humble way to sort of deflect off yourself, you know? And so fast forward into college, I was a religious studies major in college and studied ministry and pastoral ministry. And I I had a professor in in college who who said, listen, when you're in ministry, and this is true after the last 10 years of being in ministry, says, you know, you'll speak or you'll lead something and people say, good job, you know, good job. You did a great job. And they said, "What, what should our response be? How should we respond? And I remember thinking, well, I know the answer to this because, you know, I had this model in high school. And so I raised my hand like a good student in college and, and was like, hey, I got, I got the answer. And he was like, yeah, what, what should it be? And I said, you should say, you know, who paid you to say that? It's a pretty humble response. <laughs> and he was like, that, that's not very humble. <laughs> and, I, and he made me kind of think about it. And I said, well, you know, why not? And he was like, because... It's almost like a passive way of like praising yourself. You know, it's like you were so good that someone paid someone else to tell you how good you are. And he was like, that's not humble. I said, really our response would simply be, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for what is going on in my life. Listen, three years ago, if you would have met me, there's no way, there's no way I could have imagined being right here now. But thanks be to God through other believers and community and mentors. I'm here because it's God working in and through people. St. Irenaeus, one of the church fathers of of history, says it like this, "The, the glory of God, the glory of God is man fully alive. Do you wanna live your purpose? Do you wanna live into your true humanity? Give God the glory and see him in your life. You see, if we could fulfill our grand purposes in the universe and impact the world on our very own, if humanity could do it all by ourselves, Like, why would we ever need God? Why would we ever need something outside of ourselves? You see, all the great philosophies and and many religions believe there is something, there is something outside of ourselves. There's something beyond what we can see here. And it makes sense, right? Because humanity messes things up. We're pretty messy. We need something outside of ourselves. And as Jesus followers, as Christians, we believe that something outside of ourselves is Jesus of Nazareth is God Almighty who came to earth 2,000 years ago and broke into space and time. And through his resurrection and his power since his Holy Spirit, and it is through God's Spirit that we are able to fulfill his purposes for humanity. You see, the Holy Spirit works in and through us by reading his word, by getting in and soaking in. His Holy Spirit moves in and through us through through sacrament. It's just a fancy church word, that means the, the divine and, and, and the non-divine, the seen and the unseen coming together. That humanity and God, we allow him to work in it. When we take communion, this isn't some arbitrary act we do every week. It's opening our hearts and our minds up to just allowing God to work in and through us, his spirit to work through his communion. The tangible that we touch and we feel as a reminder that God is with us. It's through community. You know how I hear God? I often hear him so clearly through other believers. The spirit working, and if you haven't heard from God, do you serve? Are you a part of the community? Are you in a life group? Are you around other believers? Do you want to fulfill your purpose? Do you want to see your aim? Repent, be baptized, read, and commune, and seek the creator of life, Jesus. And as a result of that, As a result of that submission, as we see with Paul and we can see in our own life, as a result of that obedient faith, God propels us forth. It bursts forth into our one true purpose as humans. And it is this, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus and to build for his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, heaven isn't some disembodied place, right? I I I hope we get this. It's not some disembodied place way off in the cosmos that one day, We may get there, heaven is coming now in and through you, the purity and the hope and the goodness through believers. And one day it will come fully, but it is coming already now. And here's why this is important for us to live into our purpose, into our aim as Jesus followers. Here's why, because there is a broken, hurting world that's filled with addiction, pain and suffering and evil been in our lives. It's in our families. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our communities. There's a broken and hurting world. Have have we not seen it in our lives? Has it not been a reality to us? You know, I have a family member several years ago who told me he he lives far out in the country, far away from everyone. And you know, he says he's a believer and, and he's like, man, I just wanna live far away, all the madness and the craziness of the world. And I thought, man, What a shame, because what if Jesus thought like that? What if he was up in heaven, you know, with the Father and the Spirit, and he thought, I'm not going down. That's a messy world down there. We'd be still in our brokenness, in our suffering, in our sin. Listen, we are called. Jesus says in Matthew chapter five, if you wanna know sort of the pinnacle of the Bible and the gospels, read Matthew five, six, and seven. The Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five, and right after that, Jesus tells us what our aim is, what our pinnacle is. He says that we should be a light upon a hill, a city upon a hill, a light to the world, the salt of the earth. Are we living that out? Are we living that out in our families, in our workplaces, in our life? Are we living into that? Next part, verses 22 through 29. So Paul is saying, listen, my aim is to preach the gospel and I'm going all around and I'm doing this work. I'm living into this purpose. And he says, that is why, in verse 22, I've been prevented many times. Isn't that interesting, right? If I'm so busy living in my purpose and, and living into what God has for me, I've been prevented from doing some other things, but I've been prevented to coming to you many times. But now I no longer have any work to do in these regions and I have strongly desired for many years to come to you when I travel to Spain which is thought of like the end of the earth at that point, the very end of where all the Gentiles may be. For I hope to see you when I pass through and to be assisted by you for my journey there. Once I have first enjoyed your company for a while. Right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints because Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased and indeed indebted to them. For the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, then they are obligated to minister to them in material needs. So when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them, I will visit you on the way to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I know when I come to you, I will come in the blessings of the fullness of Christ. So when you read this part of the letter, especially when I first kind of read this and even going back to it and reading it, you first read kind of Paul's like different travel plans and he's like, you know, Jerusalem, Macedonia, and Achaia, and there's these different funds and I got all this stuff happening. You're like, what is all this like travel mumbo jumbo? Like, let's just get to the end of the letter, Paul, right? Like, what is he talking about? You know, sometimes you read scripture and even this one, you're like, what is going on here? It reminds me of of my kids sometimes when we you know, we take a vacation. We were just on a vacation a week and a half ago, and uh, we were up in uh, uh, Cuyahoga Valley National Park in Ohio. Anybody ever heard of that? It's it's kind of like this, I know, it's like there was a national park in Ohio. Like, what? Surprising. Surprising to us too. There's a national park up there, Cuyahoga Valley National Park. And my wife and I, we love to hike. We're not like crazy hiking enthusiasts, but we really enjoy being out in God's nature and his beauty. And when we take trips, we like to kind of plan everything out, the different trails we're going to do each day and the different restaurants we're going to go to. And we just like to kind of plan it all out and have a pretty strict itinerary. And so we were up there last week, and my kids, who are five and seven, not the biggest hiking enthusiasts have five and seven, we had this one hike the first day that we had planned out, Brandywine Falls in, in Cuyahoga National Park. And it was this like two-mile hike, and it ended at this great big waterfall, and it was really pretty. And, and we're telling our kids of all the plans, and this is the first part of the trip. And we get to this waterfall, and we're so excited about this whole thing. And my kids, who are five and seven, they, they, they were like, look at this waterfall. And they're like, yeah, it's okay, Dad. <laughs> like, What? We're like, well, we have all these other hikes planned out and we have a couple, and and we had one more hike planned that day and they're like, can we, can we just go back to the hotel pool? Like, we just wanna go back there. And they're like, is it a hot breakfast tomorrow or is it grab and go? And they're like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You know, sometimes we look at scripture and we read it and, and sometimes we have that blank stare <laughs> looking at it. But here's an important reminder for not just this text that we're looking at, but all of scripture, that we must read it in context. And when we read this part in context, it begins to make sense. When, when Paul says, my aim and my purpose is this, and then you see all these different travel plans, it comes home and this is what we realize. We realize that God's purposes for us must be tied to strategy. Are, are you with me this morning, right? God's purpose and mission for our life must be tied to strategy because this old adage is still true today. A goal without a plan is just a wish, is just a wish a wish. And here it is. We may wish for our family and our friends to be changed by God. We may wish for the world to change. Man, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's awful. I may wish for my neighbors to be saved. I may wish for things to happen, but a wish never saved anyone. And that's why when you look at the travel plans of Paul and the strategy, he's put some very serious strategy and thought into his purpose that God has given him. He's put some very serious strategy into leading people to Jesus and building for God's kingdom. Do we wish for people just to get saved and to live in the kingdom of God? Do we just wish for that to happen? Or do we have a strategic plan to actually get people there? Have we ever thought about that? Have we ever thought about our strategy for leading people to God. Now listen, God may not give you the purpose or the aim to reach the entire Gentile world, right? Anybody here, maybe you do have that purpose and when there's still some other places you're going, non-Jewish world, but most of us don't have that, right? That's Paul's. But maybe God has laid it upon your heart to reach everybody in your neighborhood, to make sure everyone in your neighborhood is being changed by God. Maybe he's laid it on your heart just to, just to reach your next door neighbor. Maybe it's as a parent to disciple your kids and to make sure they follow Jesus and live for him fully. And that's it. And that's your pinnacle. What a beautiful pinnacle that would be. Or maybe it's to reach everyone in your school or in your class, or, or maybe those that you live around or live with. Listen, God is calling all of us. And I'll say this again, but this is, this is fundamentally true. God is calling all of us, if we are a believer, a Jesus follower, a Christian, He's calling all of us to make disciples and to build for His kingdom. It's the umbrella purpose for all of us. It just looks different for for, for each of us. In fact, Tara Henson, she is a missionary that the church supports. And she felt a very distinct call to go to Uganda and to make disciples and to work with street kids and to work with pastors over in Uganda. What a beautiful thing that her aim and her purpose and her mission is there. Again, that's not all of us, right? Not all of us are called to Uganda, but what is God calling you to? What has he laid on your heart? We have to have some travel plans. We have to have some strategy behind what God is calling us to. Now we all ought to have strategies to fulfill our purpose of reaching people and making disciples. Again, God's mission and our purpose become aligned. And you may say, well, where do I start? Like, what step do I take to, to, to start living into that purpose of making disciples? If you're a believer and you know this is what we are called to and you, you recognize that and realize that, here's two simple ways, some, some, some maybe very simple strategy that, that maybe you can use, right, in your, in your own life as a believer. And one is this, one strategy and one way to be a little bit more strategic and have some travel plans, right, in your life is one, is just keep track of people. Right, it seems kind of simple and I don't mean this in a creepy way, right? Like you don't want to creep on people. But keep track of people. You know, you talk to that person in your neighborhood, get to know them, get to know their name and write something down about them. Maybe it is someone even in your, your family that you need to stay in contact with and, and keep track of and keep up with, right? Just keep track of people and be intentional about writing their name down and thinking about them and praying for them. The second one is is, is as simple as inviting people into your space. In our neighborhood, and we're not perfect, we're we're still aiming for something higher, but in our neighborhood, our stuff in our backyard, this is the way we like to think about it. I have a trampoline and a play set and we've got a basketball hoop out front. It's not our stuff, it's not ours. It's God's stuff and we just let our neighbors use it, right? And so we try to invite people into our space, into our yard. Do we invite people into our space, into our homes and into our lives? And not just the physical spaces. Are we inviting people into our emotional and spiritual space? Are we allowing people to see us and our humanity and our failures and our our life? Are we inviting people into our space? Listen, we have all sorts of strategies for for different things, don't we? Can I confess something into you? Just can't leave this room or online, I don't know. I'm a bit of a nerd. I'm a bit of a nerd. And here's how I know. A couple weeks ago, I was trying to make fun of a, a guy. Um, I was just kind of we were poking fun. I wasn't making fun of him, but I was just poking at him because he said he liked Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, what a nerdy thing, right? <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, well, you got your own Dungeons and Dragons. And, uh, and I was like, well, how's that? He goes, you play fantasy sports? And I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely, you know, I'm a huge, like, fan of fantasy baseball. He was like, it's a jocks, Dungeons and Dragons, right there, it's fantasy sports. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, he's right. (laughs) I'm a huge fan. Like, I love baseball. My wife hates baseball season because I'm like super into like fantasy baseball and I get my plans and I, you know, did my draft strategy and I have all that, you know, stuff and got my players and I set my lineup. Here's the point. Like, we have strategies for all sorts of ridiculous things. Why wouldn't we have a strategy for reaching people and making disciples in our lives? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we have a strategy for that? Listen, it should be no surprise to those who have only been here a little bit or those who've been here a long time. It should be no surprise because we talk about this quite, quite often. But we are a very strategic church. We are a very strategic church. What we do and how we plan, if you've been to a vision service, you know that we, we have some very serious strategy behind the mission of making authentic disciples of Jesus. Yeah, here's the thing, at this church and in your own life, strategy will cost you something. It costs money, that's why Paul talks about providing for material needs and bringing, that's why he's talking about this in this part of the letter. If you're going to live into the mission and the purpose of God, it's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you some time. It's gonna cost you energy. It's gonna cost money, that's why we give, to build for the kingdom and for, for the mission of God. I told you, our, our, our neighborhood, our backyard, listen, it's God's stuff and kids come over and use it all the time. Our, our trampoline recently got ripped, got broke and we had to get it fixed and that's okay because it's God's anyway. And people are just using it. It's gonna cost you something. Listen, as a church at the experience, we do not give money to build grand buildings. We don't have grand buildings anyway, right? This is an old warehouse and factory. <laughs> I think our Shelbyville campus is an old you know, Coca-Cola factory. We know it's not for grand buildings because our Cannon County campus is an old funeral home, so you know it's not not grand buildings. Listen, Listen, we give and we sacrifice to make disciples and to care for others as a church and as individuals. Our finances, our things, our lives, our work, our pleasures, none of that, right? None of those things should exist for ourselves. It should exist to fulfill God's purposes in our life. Is what you do and where you work and what you make and what you save and how you live exist to fulfill God's purposes in your life? Does it all lead to something higher? Last part, 30 through 33. It says, now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in fervent prayers to God on my behalf. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. May the God of peace be with all of you. Amen and amen. So now St. Paul here, the Apostle Paul, at the end of this section of the letter comes to the true engine that fuels our purpose in life and our, and our mission, and it's not the strategy, it's not the funds that fuel the purpose that he has in Christ. It's, it's prayer. Prayer is the engine that lifts his purpose. Listen to what he says. He's like, listen, please pray. Pray. Fervently pray with me. Listen, if you're sensing God's calling in your life to take a step, it doesn't matter what step it is. It does not matter what, even if it's like, I just need to start somewhere, and maybe I just need to get involved in the church and be a part of the community and be around other believers. And that's the step that God is laying on your heart to start seeking Him and fulfilling your purpose in Him. Maybe it's as simple as, like, I just need to start getting to know my neighbor's names and, and to get outside myself. Or maybe it is some grand purpose that God has laid on your heart that you know you're supposed to do and you're supposed to live into. Whatever it is, we need to pray. We need to pray, we need to, we need to fervently pray and ask others to pray with us. On, on Thursday, I had the privilege with, with Pastor Greg and, and Pastor Mike, we, we had the privilege to go to a new school that was opening up. And, and the administration, the principal and the assistant principal, uh, they invited some pastors and some leaders to come and just pray. And the principal was telling us, he says, listen, our purpose is much bigger as believers. He gathered some of the believers that will teach and, and lead in that place. He said, our purpose is much bigger than just being teachers and leaders of this school. Our purpose is to reach people for Jesus. And he said, listen, we have to be appropriate about that and, and, and make sure we're you know, abiding by you know, laws and regulations, but, but believe us, what we're doing here is for Christ and for Christ alone and to help people back to God. And he said, before this school starts, we are just gonna pray. We're gonna soak it in prayer. What a beautiful picture of a higher purpose and a higher pinnacle and praying as a part of the strategy to live into that, higher purpose. It's a beautiful thing. Listen, our prayers should be very specific. Specific, there it is. We got it. (laughs) Our prayers should be specific to our strategy. Just look at what Paul is writing here. It's so fascinating to me. It's like oddly specific, right? He's like, pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea. Pray that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And pray that I will be able to come to you It was all a part of the strategy and his purpose to go and to bring the message to the Gentiles, to preach the gospel. He was praying very, very specifically as a part of that strategy. He listed it out. We need to soak our strategy and our mission in prayer, the specific things. Now listen, it's not bad to pray for Aunt Cindy's second cousin's big toe that needs to be healed, right? It's not bad to pray for that. But our prayers should not be consistently about Cindy's, you know, Aunt Cindy's second cousin's, you know, big toe. Our prayers should be specifically about the strategy and the mission that God has for us in building for His kingdom. That should be for our neighbors and our families and our friends and our workplaces. That God would take our finances and our life and use it for His glory and His purpose in our life, and we soak that strategy in prayer. So, so what are some specific things we need to list out and pray for in our lives? What are some things that you need to put on your list to start praying for? Maybe it is God just, (laughs) would you use my work? I feel like it's a drudgery at times and I walk into this place and I can't take it. Would you use it for your glory? Help me to use it for your glory. Help me to reach people. God, use my life, my neighborhood and help me where I live and where I play. What do we need to list out strategically? And who can we ask to pray alongside us? Again, if you're like, well, I don't know who I would ask. Get involved, start serving, be a part of the community. Be around other believers and ask them to pray alongside you. And as Paul concludes this section of the letter, he says this little phrase that is so important to hear. He says, by God's will that I may come to you. By God's will. It's really the echo of the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer where Jesus said, pray like this. This is how you should pray. Our Father who is in heaven, blessed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, by God's will. All of our grand purposes and plans, even the ones that we deem to be holy and good, what God has laid on our heart, big or small, they're futile if we do not submit it God's will. They're useless if we don't submit it to God's will. God, here's where I feel you leading me. Here's where I need to go. By your will, would you help me? Let me submit it to you. I want to brag on our lead pastor, Pastor Corey, for a bit, because, you know, he probably doesn't have the opportunity to do it himself. That'd be weird if he just came up here and bragged about himself. But I'll brag on our lead pastor. We have an incredible leader here of this church, And we were in one team meeting uh, several months ago. I told you, we're a strategic church. We're a very strategic church. And um, if you were in a vision service, you probably have heard this. I mean, we have a strategic plan to, by the end of the year, be completely debt-free, free free up several hundreds of thousand dollars a month next year. And uh, we hope to plant campuses. We hope to plant different churches and communities that are focused on discipleship and helping in, in the community as each of our campuses and churches do. And so that's what our hope is. And I remember one team meeting, Pastor Corey had this like whiteboard up here and you know, he's scribbling all these strategic plans and there's all this stuff up here, you know? And, and, and I remember in that team meeting, sort of like pushed the whiteboard aside. And he told all of us as a team, he said, listen, if we are not on our face praying, seeking Jesus in his will, all this will fail. Amen. None of it matters if we're not seeking Jesus and submitted to him. So true is it for our church as it is for each individual. We're seeking Jesus, submitting our life and our strategy and our hopes and our dreams to God. So here it is again. (laughs) Comes back. What is our purpose? Are you fulfilling it? Are you living into your true purpose as a human here on earth? Here's the good news. All of us should know this umbrella purpose. If we're a follower of Jesus, this should be so clear to us. All of us have an umbrella purpose, not because I'm saying it, because Jesus said it. He said all the law, all the prophets, everything depends on this, to love God with your heart, your soul, and your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is it. And then Jesus gave us one final command in Matthew 28 Go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. And I will be with you always to the very end of the age. The great command and the great commission that is our umbrella purpose, all of us as believers, is to love Him with our heart and our soul and our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, and then to go and make disciples. Again, simple to know, very hard. To do. That's why we need his spirit. But where does your purpose, where does our purpose fit into that broader purpose of God? To love him, to love others, and go make disciples. Where does your specific purpose fit into that? Are you pursuing a purpose that fits underneath that grand purpose of God? Or are you pursuing something else? Is there some other pinnacle in your life that you are trying to achieve and get at and, and, and get to and aim for? Is there something else that you need to readjust and fit under the true purpose and umbrella of God to love him and love others and make disciples. Listen, whether we know exactly what that purpose is right now or not, and if you don't know, you're like, I'm not quite sure, okay, I know I need to love God and love others and make disciples, but where do I fit into that? Whether we know exactly where that fits or not, we need to strategize and we need to pray. If we don't know, then we we need to strategize about praying and seeking God. And what do those steps look like? And here's the thing, we need a plan and having a plan is not a lack of faith. Having a strategic plan for how we're gonna live into God's mission and reach our neighbors and our families into thinking through this strategically is not a lack of faith, it's actually faithful. It's like the parable of the talents that that, that Jesus tells. And when God gives us something, are we being responsible and faithful with it? If you own a business or you have money, are you being faithful with that? Are you using it for God's glory? If you have a certain personality and a way of being that you can connect with people, are you using that for God's glory? What has God given you that you need to use for his greater purpose? It's not a lack of faith to have a strategy and a plan in your life. In fact, St. Ignatius, one of our church fathers of Christian history, he says it like this. He says, we ought to pray as though everything depended on God, and we ought to act as though everything depends on us. We ought to pray the prayer, God, there's nothing I can do, fill me, help me. And then we get up and we go and we act and we live into and we strategize and we plan by God's leading in spirit. This question is as much for me as it is for you and it's convicting, but how is our prayer life? How is it? Again, our plans, our dreams, our hopes, none of it matters if we're not praying and submitting it to God. How is it? Hey, let's dream big, scary dreams. For reaching our neighbors and reaching our families, let's dream big and allow God to guide that and submit it to him. You know, If you look at some of the evidence of Paul, you know, he says, I'm gonna go to Spain and, you know, I hope to go there and I'm gonna reach the entire Gentile world. That is my aim and that is my purpose. You know, there's really no clear evidence that he ever made it to Spain, which, you know, would have been thought of the end of the earth at that time when Paul was writing. His aim, his pinnacle was to reach the entire Gentile world, that they may be sanctified, made pure and whole in the image of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Did he accomplish all of that? We don't know. We don't know. Listen, it doesn't mean whatever God gives us, whatever our aim is, to reach our entire neighborhood, to reach everyone in our school, whatever that purpose is, doesn't necessarily mean that we're gonna accomplish it all in this life. But N.T. Wright, commenting on that in this passage, he says it like this. Perhaps God sometimes allows us to dream dreams of what he wants us to do, what our pinnacle should be, what our aim should be. Not necessarily so that we can fulfill them, that might just make us proud and self-satisfied, but so that we will take the first steps towards fulfilling them. That we'll just take that step. Whatever step it is, that we'll just take that step in fulfilling what God is calling us to and his grand purpose for our lives. So let me ask. And here's where we'll end. What step do you need to take to fulfill your purpose in Jesus? What step is it? It could be a little step. It could be a large one, whatever it is. What is that step that you need to take? Maybe it is coming and praying with someone and just soaking something in prayer. Maybe it's just prayer for direction. Maybe it is a prayer that you need to come and confess so you can get some clarity to hear God in and through your heart and mind. What step do you need to take to fulfill your purpose in Jesus? Will you pray with me this morning? Before we close in prayer each week, there's several ways to respond. And one of them is to my right, your left, Pastor Carl is up here on the side of the stage. He's our life groups pastor. If you're in here and maybe you have some questions, you're like, I don't even know where to begin about this whole submitting to Jesus and and I, I have more problems than I have solutions, I have more questions than I have answers, come and talk with Pastor Carl. Please come and talk with him. Maybe that's your first step and your starting point. Another way in which you can respond is there's men and women, faithful men and women, Jesus followers who are up here on the sides of the stage who are ready and willing to pray with you about anything, about direction or strategy in your life, whatever it is, come and pray with them. If you need to confess something, no one's gonna beat you up or kick you out, come and pray and confess. And the last way in which we can respond today is you're gonna go to a table and you're gonna get communion and you can bring it back to your seat. You can take it with your family. You can take it by yourself. And what communion is, it's a tangible reminder as we touch that bread and the juice hits our lips that God is with us. His Holy Spirit is with us and guiding us into our purpose. It's a reminder of his death and his resurrection. The only thing we ask is that you are submitted to Jesus. You're trying to follow him. You're aiming to follow him when you take that. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for your word. Give us your guidance and your peace as we go from this place. Help us to see with such clarity, God, how we can live into your grand purpose for us and how it specifically fits in our lives. God, we love you and we praise you, Jesus, in your name. Amen amen.